Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome once again. I'm your host, Mr. Joy Lewis, and you're listening to another great episode of Free on the Inside. For this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, 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 I am so honored to be with you this morning here. You know, as I look around and see how God had watched over me I, as I was sleeping last night, when I rose this morning, I rose in my I rose in, uh, clothes in my right mind, I'll put it like that. And I had food to eat, and I had a roof over my head. What a mighty God we serve. I want to be mindful of my brothers and sisters that doesn't have a place to lay their head. And we pray that things are falling in line with, uh, for them and that they uh, get the help they need and the support they need. And I say that because I'm a part of a, uh, several groups of men and women that go down and do street ministry, and they definitely have a need for that. So I encourage you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Uh, but I want to give you the call-in number to our program. That number is uh, 310-982-4126. Again, that number is 310-982-4126. Please, please, please call into the program. Uh, listen to the program. We have a very large archive archive section, so please uh, check out our archive section on Blog Talk Radio forward slash uh, Free on the Inside, and you can also follow us on Facebook. It's Free on the Inside Lewis on Facebook, or just Joel Lewis on Facebook, and you can see what we're doing there, and be a part of something bigger than yourself, as I stated earlier. Uh, we're going to continue with our program we did last week with some uh, uh some archive clips of Martin Luther King speaking, and I think it's a very good time to play these type of clips here because it's just bringing back to our remembrance that the uh, that the battle is still on here. That there's still a lot of things that we need to do in our society and the world as a whole, and we need to be involved in help changing the life of someone, changing the life of a community, changing the life of a city, changing the life of a nation, and uh, our. Uh, Audio clip this uh, this morning by Marlo King says the three evils of society, and I want you to pay close attention to this and see if it's still relevant for today's time. Again, that calling number is a three one zero nine eight two forty one twenty six, and I'll be back with you shortly, and we'll just follow up on what you did on the today. Conference on New Politics, ladies and gentlemen, can you hear me in the back? I don't know if the Klan is in here tonight or not with all the trouble we're having with these microphones. And seldom, if ever, has, we're still working with it. As I was about to say, seldom if ever has such a diverse and uh, truly ecumenical gathering convened under the aegis 
of politics in our nation. And I want to commend the leadership of the National Conference on New Politics for all of the great work that they have done in making this significant convention possible. Indeed, by our very nature, we affirm that something new is taking place on the American political horizon. We have come here from the dusty plantations of the Deep South and the depressing ghettos of the North. We have come from the great universities and the flourishing suburbs. We have come from Appalachian poverty and from conscience-stricken wealth. But we have come. And we have come here because we shared a common concern for the moral health of our nation. We have come because our eyes have seen through the superficial glory and glitter of our society and observed the coming of judgment. Like the prophet of old, we have read the handwriting on the wall. We have seen our nation weighed in the balance of history and found wanting. We have come because we see this as a dark hour in the affairs of men. For most of us, this is a new mood. We are traditionally the idealists. We are the marchers from Mississippi and Selma and Washington who staked our lives on the American dream during the first half of this decade. Many assembled here campaigned deciduously for Lyndon Johnson in 1964 because we could not stand idly by and watch our nation contaminated by the 18th-century policies of Goldwaterism. We were the hardcore activists who were willing to believe that Southerners could be reconstructed in the constitutional image. We were the dreamers of a dream that dark yesterdays of man's inhumanity to man would soon be transformed into bright tomorrows of justice. Now it is hard. You're listening to a uh, video of Martin Luther King. His uh, topic is the three evils of society. We're going to open the phone lines up here right now. We have our co-host here on the line. And we're just going to stop here just for a moment. We're going to bring him in. And I want you to think about what we're listening to today. It's not any different than what it was back in 1967 and 68. And I want you to know that we're for, uh, you know, this is a challenging time for society as a nation, as a race of people. Good morning, now, Brother Daniel. You're on the net. Good morning, Reverend Lewis. How you doing this bright and wonderful day? I'm Happy doing morning. great. I'm doing great. I'm I'm doing great. I'm following up on Martin Luther King. You know, we uh we celebrated uh and honored Martin Luther King last uh week uh week and I just want to follow up on it because we're getting ready to go into Black History Month. So we're gonna do some excerpts from uh, Black History uh moments is what we're gonna call them. 
of our men and women that stood on the battlefield. And today, brother, Dad, it's no different today than it have been in the in the late '60s, in the early '60s, in the '50s. We still need activists, man. You can tell what's going yeah. on in the White House, in to our uh, government, in the political arena, man. It's just a uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on. Amen, amen. We're living in Paris time. I would say. But there, yes, but there is hope. And our hope is in nothing else than Jesus Christ and his righteousness and allow other men to work through that. You know, so I'm glad to, I'm glad you're on this morning. I wanted to uh, share with you something that happened last weekend over at the uh, Martin Luther King celebration. It was called Fire. Having you know, having Fire. faith in God, you know, yes. And so we mm-hmm. was over there last week, and we had a great time. It was a lot of young men over there, a lot of activities, a lot of uh, 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 classes that was been, uh, you know, that was shared with the young men. Life skill courses, uh, uh, development, personal development courses, uh, training mm-hmm. in various aspects of it. Also, some physical fitness type uh, sessions were being rendered. And also some relationship sessions and social media sessions. So that was mm-hmm. well presented program. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I would ask to uh, host a, a group of young men, me and another gentleman. I'm going to bring him on next week. I didn't have a chance to call him this week. But we uh, hosted a, a, a 28 young men with a group leader. So I was very honored to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So, um, what assessment do you make out of the out of the evening, uh, out of the day, uh, Little Lewis? What assessment do you make out of the out of what you saw that day? Oh, uh, at the at the youth rally, well, yes, for Martin King, I saw that that was yeah. a great. Need. I saw that that was a great need for men and for uh, and for men to take their uh, take ownership and they rightly in a right position in society. There was a lot of young men up there, but there wasn't uh, uh, there wasn't any fathers there. If they were dropped off by their uh, mothers or grandmothers, and there's a great need for men to be involved in the life of younger men to teach them social skills. One of the social skills that we taught them was how to tie a tie. And that's something that I do in my own setting at the juvenile department. And those are some things that young men need to know how. And it's, it's a social skill, and it's a, a lifelong skill that they can pass on to their kids and their grandkids. And, and then there's also about the auto uh, auto maintenance. You know, they're teaching the young men how to change a flat tie. You know, things of that nature, how to check the all. You know, mm-hmm. how to, uh, you know, use the proper signals when turning and also some parking techniques. So there's a lot of things that, that we really need that we just feel like that we, we should know those things because we're driving. Oh, I know how to drive. You know, but those are things that have to be taught. And then it kept being reinforced as the young person is starting to uh, driving more and not to be hot rodding and driving recklessly and be mindful of other people and being courteous <laughs> on the lane. So. So it was a lot of things, but yeah. I really enjoyed the social media aspect of it, where they was talking about how to interact on the internet, how to uh, limit your posting and, and your activity, and, and the stuff that you put out there is going to be out there forever. Some people think once you post mm-hmm. something 
and you delete it, it's gone. You'll never see or hear from it again. But out there somewhere on what they call a cloud, it is hovering around. And someone like to snatch it and present it back to you. And you say, wow, I didn't realize that was still there. That was 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, a lot of people don't know the serious thing that uh, Internet and social media uh, has on really your... your uh, Professional outlook or your life, because most of everything that you write and post, it's like you say, it's out there forever. You know, and once you write something or once you say something about somebody, or, or it's always out there. It's right, right now we got archives that we write. Every every show we have, you got an archive, right? Yeah, How long right. we been on our show? It's been on for quite a while, and it's like years and years of archive. It's somewhere, it's hovering out there on the on the cloud, and it's uh, being stored somewhere. And and mm-hmm. people can pull it from time to time, and they will pull it. And you know, and guess what? We signed an authorization that hey, you could still use my stuff without my you know uh, without my knowledge, you know, because you know I, the little fine print said hey, I, I I signed over all the rights to this content to you. So people can actually pull your show up and just look. And I'm talking about the people that host those things that, that keeps them in a server. They have all the rights and ability to get that. Now, we can take it to court and fight it, but we signed over our rights. It's kind of like anything else. You know how you, you find a little at the bottom and check that little box and yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Loophole. Loophole. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, it's like you say, like a person that runs for political office or some kind of social office. You know, right now, you know, they might say something negative about you know, what they what they believe in or whatever you do. So one day, when you really try to get into an office and even a job, they'll pull this up. Well, didn't you say this? Well, I I don't remember. I was really young when I did that, and and you know, you know. I tell you a good thing, another thing was happening yesterday, y'all. And do you know the stuff? Uh, they tell me that yesterday, uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, went to a uh, uh, anti-abortion meeting, and he was headed uh, over in a, most all political candidates uh most of uh, it was really they say it really it wasn't but two presidents that ever put their face at that convention you know what i'm saying that's a real serious uh issue uh on uh women's rights and social rights that uh most people believe that a woman has the choice to what she does with her body and it's a real serious issue for a person or a candidate to uh, really endorse because like you said before we're living in some changing society that uh, most people don't really believe in the importance of uh, a human life I put it like that you know uh, me and you, we grew up in a time that life was real 
sacred, and we never would think about, you know, uh, doing anything like that. I know I wouldn't, you know, and my mom, my dad, and probably wouldn't. But if you look at, if you look at um, a person when they're in a certain situation that goes on, some people might have a baby through incest. Some people might have one through rape or whatever, you know, a, a woman, you know. And it's a it's a choice, like everything else in life, Reverend Lewis. It's a choice, you know. Person has to make a choice that maybe would this benefit or destroy my life, or would this make a, make you know? And you know, I I can't really make that call myself, you know. <laughs> I couldn't make that call, Reverend Lewis. You know, I, I I can confess to myself I had a I had a decision I had to do something like that only one time and it basically it kinda haunted me until I got back in the, the scripture and I had to basically uh ask God to forgive me for what I did. You know what I'm saying? You know yeah. I'm I'm confessing and yeah. it's a hard thing to do, brother Daniel. It's a personal thing, and I, you know, uh, uh, I hadn't had to face nothing like that. But I know that's a personal item. There, our life is sacred, and if God creates life, then it's meant to be. But you have this choice of, do you know, that person have to live with that choice they made. You don't want to have a a child with an incest or deformed or whatever it may be, and you have to care and nurse that child. For the entire lifespan, and you know, and uh, you, know you want the child yeah. to be healthy, and you, and you know, and it's a personal thing. You know that that's from God, but then also yeah. we have a alternative motives and selfish motives. So that's a twofold thing. There's a blessing yeah. on one end, but yet it's a curse or burden people see it as being. But God value all aspects of life, and we never know how that person's gonna be. Or, or what uh, what that person can contribute to society. Mm-hmm. So that's a hard choice. You know what would happen if somebody to never would know if somebody had got aborted? Maybe a lot of people wouldn't be here today. You know, I put it like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's a you know, that's, a, that's a choice that that person has to make between them and God. And yeah. we pray that they seek proper counsel. They get good spiritual guidance. And they and, yeah. and they search their heart because God. Yeah, I don't know why I came up on that. I don't know why I came up, but I something I was watching when I before I went to sleep last night. I was looking at the news. I saw yeah. that, and I thought about it. And I said, "Man, that's that's a, that's going to really be one." And then I look at uh, Vice President Pence. He went over and talked to the Pope. Yesterday, he had a personal uh, conference with the Pope. So I'm saying maybe they're getting uh, together on another agenda to run for this new, uh, you know, election. You know, maybe that's going to be one of the main, one of the main topics for running for president this year. You know, and I know. Yeah, there's a lot of topics. Ricky, yeah. but you have to be very mindful of this character, this of our uh, of our uh, administration right now, the character of the people in charge. Can they be trusted? Are they willing to go through? Are they just doing stuff just to get to 
what they they uh, to the end goal in, in means. You know, sometimes people do things with alternative motive. Yes, I say I go for this. Yes, I say I go for that. But once I'm in the office, you know, I don't care anymore unless on the back burner. You know, you have to tell like if like you and I, we have a friend or someone that said, "Hey, I'm gonna be there to pick you up." You know, by the character of that person, if they could be trusted, if they could be dependable, depended on, yeah. right? You can say, man, I know that yeah. you always said, but I can't depend on you. But this other, but someone else may say yes, and they always come through. Now, which one are you going to choose? The one that always come through, or you know, most of the time, or the one that just kind of hit and miss? Well, you know, something came up, or I, I can't do it now, and I'm sleepy, or wait a minute, my stuff ain't running right. You know what I'm saying? So we have to be very mindful of even though our elected officials are doing things at this time to just try to get some few feathers in their cap. Are they really dependable, or can we trust them? Well, I, I look at it also like this, Rem Lewis. I look at it. I have seen four years of a person being in the White House, and basically, out of these five years, I mean four years, I have looked at both parties. You know what I'm saying? And I look at the the complex of the of of, uh, of our society, and basically, I look at the plight of a black man and the minorities in in America. Seems like they have not made out any kind of you know the problems of housing, helping people find jobs. And, you know, seem like they are totally wasted four years working on trying to get this creep out of the White House and basically just worrying about, you know, uh, helping people. And then once we vote him out, you know, you might not be able to, to, uh, uh, you know, the date, you know, what's, what's going to happen next week? You know, we don't really know. But if they don't get him out the White House, we basically, I saw this guy that said, reluctant, that said he's going to, if you don't do it, we as the people have to do it ourselves by voting him out of the White House. And that's basically what's going to happen. You know, never let this mistake be done again. You know? Right, so and, yeah, I understand. That's why and, you have to be and, careful and, with but, 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 I'm going but, but, this and I'm, I'm going for this and I'm going for that, and, and people can't be trusted. And and even uh, even though that right there, Ricky, is that you, you know, even though with the election, he have a way of manipulating the election, manipulating social media, and that even though the election may want to go one way, he have a way and have other power that's manipulating the election. So it's very. Mindful of it. even though he may win and he said he won again, did he really win or was it some manipulation behind the scene? He already called for well, you know, well, I believe if, if it's easy to get overturned like that, maybe our whole political system need, need to be resolved and, and, and reformed. If it's that well, easy for a person to get into the White House and cheat, Reverend Lewis, maybe we need to just get a new form of being elected as the president. It be reconstructed. We have maybe, uh, and something needs to be done. You know, I'm just that's just where I see. What would you suggest then? What would you suggest? Well, you said well, that form. needs to be a we new, a new, new system. What would you suggest? Just throwing something out. That there. needs to be a new system of electing a person by uh, you know what we go through 
is through the Electoral College. And basically, it's a real complicated system that goes by a certain number of votes and points. And, you know, and, and really, it's real complicated. And I never really understood what, what, what goes on. You know, I'm a very smart person. And I try to understand what happens when they sit up and they tally every number of votes from every state. And, and I'm saying that. And then overnight, the one guy had it. And then the next morning, somebody else won. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, it's, and I don't, we don't know as a people what happened. You know? And it's so true, though. That's so that's so true, my brother. Dang. But you know, as you were saying, how we get you know, the, you know, if we said that we need to have a new farm, we need to have already figure out what we're gonna do. Because you get a group of people together and say, well, "Hey, we need a new farm of voting." But what would you suggest? What would you bring to the table? You know, uh, as you said, we already have a farm of, of voting, but it seems to be contaminated. We need to fine tune that based on what I know about voting to fine-tune those things, and be able to be smart voters. We just can't go by anything that's on the Internet. We can't go by any hearsay. That's what got us in trouble. This man said, hey, show us all the, you know, uh, give us all the sudden information of this person about to die, this person corrupt, and then we just like cattle or sheep. We all been led one way, you know, without anybody even thinking about it. Oh, I saw it on Facebook. I saw it on Twitter. I huh. saw it over the in, a social media platform. It must be true. Wait a minute. What makes it true? Because you saw it out there, and that's what. Well, that's how people I look, are, also look at like for the presidency is mostly a popularity contest, and in that way, by saying that, there has to be somebody out in America that really like the candidate. You know what I'm saying? Popularity. Wise. So basically, if you're living in a country, Reverend Lewis, where there's a lot of bigotry and hate, and then you got this person that basically you pushing, it's an interest group. So basically, we're living in a country that's full of hate and bigotry. You know, there's no way around it, Reverend Lewis. I'm just calling it as I see it. So people have a tendency to flock behind this candidate that they have a belief in, you know? Was we had one guy, uh, we kept wondering a long time ago, how did Adolf Hitler get into his political uh, thing? He had a lot of people that believed in him, and that's how he got to be over Germany. He called his country weak at that time, and when this candidate came in, the whole country was uh, in poverty, and they were just, and then he came, and he came out like the, they call him the Führer, the father. You know what I'm saying? He came I in with his, with his, yeah. Yeah, he came yeah. in with his with his talking, and he was all, and then he just brainwashed the people. It's a social brother, brainwash. Brother Daniel, we got a call on the line here from, uh, uh, Arizona here. We're going to bring him in here. Pastor okay. Dunn, CEO, he's going to come in, and, and we're going to continue this discussion. Good morning, Pastor. You're on the net. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing today? Blessings. So great. Welcome name to the program, on. Free on the Inside Ministry here. Uh, please tell us uh, uh, what do you think about our topic here, the three uh, evils of society. Well, y'all been breaking down a lot of stuff, and one thing I want to put into, that, into the hat is uh, stress and anger. 
And um, not only that, uh, finances. Those three things have us all wrapped up. We're stressing about what we don't have. The finances that we're looking for, nine times out of ten, if we angry that we don't got it, it's hard for us to be in the right energy to generate revenue. And having a family, you need finances for everything. If you want to sit in some air, air conditioning, you got to pay your bill. Out here, they have what they call the SRP box, and we don't pay an actual electric bill, like two or $300. We get it once a month. We use the uh, money until the electric runs out on the box, and then you got to take the car down to the store. So you can put $5 yeah. on your electric, or you can put 500 on it. But sometimes when you don't have that electric bill paid, everything is crazy, and that heat be in the house, and it's 100 degrees out here, and you can fire egg on the concrete. That's when you really find out what's going on with your wife and with your lady. And it's one of these things that it's hard to understand the power you have with the finances and the stress and the anger when they all three of them work together. And normally uh, you're angry about stuff you can't have as opposed to things that you do have. So that's that's my take on it. Uh, I do love what y'all said, and I, I've been there for a little minute, and I've been in the, uh, listening online, so I had to call in through the call-in number. Well, we're saying hey, we call it. Hey, where you calling in from? Where you calling in from? Well, my, my radio network, we have 3 million listeners and 25 AM and FM radio markets running everybody at cars so our show. My network is based in Las Vegas, but I'm actually physically in Mesa, Arizona right now. Oh, that sounds great. Well, we should thank you for calling in there. And, you know, you added to this topic that we're talking about because we realize that this uh, that we're talking about is a it's a worldwide and a global thing there where you was talking about that stress there. That stress is what caused us to be where we are today there, that lack of finances that caused us to be where we are. You know, I do jail and juvenile and prison ministry, and I find out our young men, our young men and our old men are subject to all those things that you just mentioned there, which caused them to make uh a bad decision, decisions that they can't take back or they can work around or they not even can walk off from. They have to live through those mistakes there. And that's why our program is called Being Free on the Inside. And we know that who the Son set free, Jesus Christ, allowed you to be free indeed. But there's a choice to your freedom there. There's a cost and responsibility. And as you said, being the head of your household, uh, you know, I do uh, youth ministry, and a lot of our young men do not have fathers in the home, and it breaks my heart, Pastor. It breaks my heart. What are you, your take on something like that? Well, I, I really feel like that we don't have the mentors. Uh, back in the day when I was in the gang and we was in the bloods, uh, if you went and shot a gun off where everybody was selling dope, they would jump on you. And they had uh, rules and laws. Now these kids have no fear. And then with the Internet being what it is, it's a town hall meeting. Instead of two people having an issue, when they put it on their Facebook, their Twitter, their Instagram, now everybody gets the opportunity to chime in on this issue. So far as the man not being in the house, the value is not there because it's not a two-parent household. When I grew up, we had to put on a white shirt and sit down at the table. We couldn't cuss. And Lord knows there was no phones at the table. So we lost our values as a people because the women are raising the men, and it's normally single mothers or single fathers trying to raise the women. It, we're, we're slowly, slowly, slowly losing our lust, our, our love for living every day and breathing the God's green air. You, you get what I'm saying? It, it, it's different now. We we don't help each other anymore. We walk on the street. Back in the day, you had to do the nod or wave at somebody. Now everybody's stuck to their phone. So yeah, that, that's how and, I feel about so that. True. 
and, 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 you know, and you hit on something right there because there's no love for each other. Because now young men, they sit around, they like they got an attitude, young and old, everybody, they mad at the world. They don't trust anybody. They don't want to have a mentor or a friend in their life. And they grows up to say that you can't tell me nothing, and yet you don't know anything. Wait a minute, there's something wrong with that. Father, you said something there. You said something there. Because as we go through life, we need somebody, and somebody needs us. We was at a, a social gathering last week for our young men celebrating MLK, uh, just remember, and we were teaching our young people social skills. <laughs> we talk about tired, tired. You know, tired, tired seem to be archaic, like people don't do it no more, but it's definitely a, a rite of passage to me, from far to me. That you interact, you know. You say you have a whole host of uh, 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 a listening audience, and you go various places. Sometimes, some of those you may need to wear a tie. Am I wrong or right? Correct, 100%. When I was uh, in our family, all the men in my family, they entrepreneurs, but a part of rights of passion for the men, we had to go knock on doors and sell books and magazines. You turn 18, you got done with uh, high school before you even talked about college, you had to go sell books and magazines. Because if you never know, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. This is a true story. I knocked on this house. It took me about 25 minutes to get up to the door. It was just one house that big. And when I got to the, the front of the door, it blew my mind. I'm in a rich white neighborhood. Lord forgive me. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. I'm just keeping it real. I was in a rich white neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, they had houses. And it would take you about 20 minutes to get to the front. You're not supposed to jump over the gate. But I was bold. I jumped over the gate. <laughs> And, and and it took me a while to get to the front, but when I got there, all I seen was foreclosure notice. I had the foreclosure notice. The guy checked me a check for $1,200. At the end of the day, he didn't have no food or no water in his refrigerator. My point that uh. I'm making is just because the house looked one way on the outside, that don't mean that's what's going on the inside. And this is how uh. you stay with the brothers that's locked down. they free inside. Man, man. Some brothers have more peace in jail than they do on the streets because they're not going through that that everyday daily grind of trying to achieve something they never have. That's in- institutionalized. Yes. That's what they yes. are. And they're comfortable. Correct. They don't want to be they don't want to be put in in the order. And so as long as they can stay institutionalized and be be uh, uh comfortable in what they're doing, they keep going through this revolving door. Going back and forth, in and out of jail. Well, they you know, sign that deal, that, that plea bargain deal, and they don't even really read it. And then when they say that probation, that's just a circle. Once you get plugged into that system, it takes them 30 seconds to lock you up and 30 days to let you out, no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and as you were talking about the uh, plea bargaining and being on probation, that's really a trap because they start limiting your movement and your, and your opportunity. They say, wait a minute, you can't go back to your neighborhood. Wait a minute, I don't know no other place but my neighborhood. You can't work for their job. You, got a bike, you can't live certain places. You can't drive. You can't get a place. So it's definitely a trap that you know that's just hard to get out of. And so that's the reason why you get such a revolving door because you have no one to help guide you. you get out of there. Well, you know you you don't make the same mistakes in seven to fourteen days. You just broke probation. Correct. Correct. And at the same time, most of your friends are felons, not because they want to be felons. If you go to the liquor store to get you a forty ounce of beer. You're going to walk past three or four people that have felony charges, and if the police roll up on you, you instantly violated your probation, not even trying to. So it's yeah. a lot of entrapment that's going on these days. And I feel like yeah. this guy, 45, uh, I don't like to say his name, but I feel like 
the people that make the legislations and the laws, they need to go to jail. They need to buy food stamps, and they need to actually have a substance abuse problem before they make a law about the substance control. Because if you don't know what it's about personally, how can you set forth legislation? So I'm running for president in 2024 because of situations like this. No, I've never had a public office. I don't have just one policy or campaign. I believe in educating, enlightenment, and empowerment. And that's how we're going to get to the next level. For shows like this where y'all talking about the real topics, getting real live people on, and actually doing something about it. Oh, that's great. Again, uh, where, where you're located and how can we keep up with you? Because I definitely want our listening audience to know that there's somebody out there that wants to make a difference. There's someone out there that feels the plight of society and say, hey, this is what I could do to inject. Do you want to follow me or want to believe in what I'm doing? Talk to me now. Okay. Well, you can um, you can find me on any of your favorite social networks. I have 5,000 at Don, D-O-N-J-R-C-E-O. Uh, you can send me an email, old school at uh, D-O-N-J-R underscore C-E-O at yahoo.com, or you can actually call me direct at 818-358-5722, 818-358-5722. One more time for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 818-358-5722. Uh, four years is a long time away, and I have a lot to work on. I need people like the sound of my voice. Everybody has something to bring to the table. When Jesus sent out his 12 disciples and said, go make them believers and go feed my sheep, but there was also 70 other two people that was helping, and there was 5,000 people that was rolling with Jesus. That's when he broke the, uh, the bread on the mount. I say all that to say, we can't do it by ourselves. Only as a pastor, if I'm preaching to 100 people, I can only make eye contact with one person at one time. That doesn't mean there's the other 99 in the people in the room don't exist. Not only do they exist, everybody has a perception of opinion. So I, I'm looking forward to y'all calling me after the show. I want to give with y'all. Uh, I help radio stations get Walmart sponsorship dollars. That's our biggest issue. We get all the money to Walmart, but they never give us any money back. And then when we stand outside and sell our CDs and run to Walmart, they lock us up. They're not having a pedalist license. So all these kind of things, I want to work with people so we can work together. Yeah, man. I'll- I like what you're saying. I like the way in the direction that you're going, you know. It ain't all about but what you. What you say okay, bro? You are you in Arizona? Yes, I'm where our radio network is based in Las Vegas. I'm physically in uh, Arizona. It's the suburbs of Mesa. It's mm-hmm. about twenty five minutes away from Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona. Hey man. So what about that school uh, what's the school uh uh, it's cool. ASU. It's ASU yeah, and ASU, it's, uh, Arizona State University. Yeah, I was about, yes, uh, my uncle came from that place over there. Neosa, Neosa, Oklahoma. Uh, Neosa. Uh, I can't call it the name of the city. But anyway, you know, and it's nice to hear somebody with a positive mind, sir. You know. We need positive-minded people that, that understand and based on what's, what plight American people, uh, American black men is going through today because there's a lot of issue that's what's going on with us and our youth. They're basically, their minds are being bombarded by all this social media stuff and rap songs and rap tunes. Basically, they're not making the American family complete, it seems to be destroying 
everything we grew up culturally trying to support our youth. And if you look at it, I'm not saying that music either can create or destroy. I'm a musician, uh, uh, sir. And um, when I first started learning music, I learned that music was a creative form. It can be used as a political ploy, or it could be a social ploy. And it, it, it creates, and it creates beauty, and it also tells stories. So what do you, what do you use when you put these uh, derogatory tunes out? They turn down women. They turn down families. They don't supply that telling that you can have uh, even about God. You know, they don't ever say anything about God inside of it. It's all, it's all talking about me. I'm this, and you can be all, you know, and that's, that has something to do with the New World Order. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know it or not. You know? Amen. Uh, Amen. And yeah. You know what? I got I to gotta make a statement, too, and I'm really glad you said that. Music is what sets the tone for everything. If I go to a church and preach a message and the minister of music is not playing the right tune before we play the collection plate, the drop is off. At the same time, as I'm preaching, if I say, and God say, and he hits the organ, it gives it more inflection. That's why a lot of times um, the music is what kicks it off. And I come from the old school where you had an A-track. If you had a 1,000 CDs, it had to be a 1,000 records, and it wasn't a 1,000 songs in your pocket. So, again, the kids have it so streamlined and so fast, they don't know what it feels like to make four cap trips with a 1,000 records to go do a gig, you know, things like that. And then there's no artistry no more. There's no people playing real instruments. Everybody just dialed mm-hmm. up. And they're, not, they're not going in the studio together and recording a record. You sent me an email, yeah. I sent you an email, we don't talk to you, see each other, and we make this amazing piece other. of work. Right. Yeah, it's a unity. You know, like back in the day, most of when you recorded a CD, everybody was in the studio together. You more, but you, you yeah. might be in a different room, but nowadays you can basically be on the telephone and make a CD and and put that track and send it to the student. And before you know they got a CD, a rocker, right. you know? It's, it's impersonal, impersonal. You know, I mean, when we growing up, Rev. Lewis can tell you, too, we grew up listening to all these groups like War and uh, Maze and all this kind of stuff like that. But these people, they played from their heart because they had a story that they wanted to tell people. You know, instead of telling derogatory stuff and teaching hate. You know what I'm saying? Hey, man. about bling, bling. Who want to hear about bling, bling? Uh, you know, I got this and you ain't got that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and basically, well, if you had, look at it, but it was passing uh, though. Uh, the record had it signed the same way when it was in the studio. If you paid seventy five dollars to see a Diana Ross or a Temptation show, it sounded the same way. Every chord, every note was precision. Now it hits any kind of way. These kids got fifty thousand followers, and they can't put five people in the room, and they wonder why they don't have no money. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. and as you were saying, I was listening to both of y'all talking, and you was hitting on some things that were called, you know, the way the uh, society goes and the plight of our young men and women, they have seen the lost their way. That's why they need other people that have been there, 
that have been went through the fire to kind of help lead and guide them. You know, I have a slogan on part of my show that said, help change a life. And I take that very seriously because it was someone like you, pastors, like you, Brother Daniel, that helped change my life. I made some mistakes, but yet they told me I could be an overcomer. I had goals, but they said, yes, you can achieve your goals. You know, and that's what that's what it's about. I'm glad that you said that you you want to throw your hat in the political arena because I have a sense that you want to not only change the life of, of your uh, of people you know, but you want to change the life of a community, a city, and perhaps a, a country. You know, and that's a great that's a great goal that you, to set for yourself and for those around you. So I, my hat goes off to you, Pastor, and we're looking forward to you coming back on here and sharing some more uh, things concerning what you are doing. Hey, man, thank you so much. And the whole deal while I'm running for president, man, I have 4,500 radio networks, 768 major media outlets. I've been in business for 21 years, and I've I've been responsible for working these records to put food on the table. Uh, Name of the records, I'm going to smack your mama like a hoe or drop it like a hot, like a pork chop. Those kind of workers, I don't want to work, but I had to put food on the table. But after having all these barbershop conversations, being on over 4,500 radio shows, the problem is nobody wants to take the mantle up and say, okay, let's get this thing done. And I have no uh, previous public office. So when I go in, I'm untainted. I can't be corrupted because at the end of the day, there's nobody knows me. And because I had such a tired of life, I've been to jail over 45 times in 10 different states. They're going to have a field day saying what I didn't do, and I'm going to be working on what needs to be done. So I just really appreciate y'all. I would love to be back on this show as much as possible. I, I just sent you a text to that two one four number, so hopefully you got my text message. But um, I'm here. All right, then let's. I'm gonna give it to you again. It is two one four five zero five six five two six. Okay. Yep, I got it. All right, that sounds great. Hey, thank you very much. Looking forward to you coming back on. Okay. Remember, we're on every right. Saturday morning from eight to nine. Well, I'm hanging out to the rest of the show, man. I want to hear what else y'all got going on. It's really good. I, I love what y'all talking about. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, hang on in there, then. All right, brother, what a great conversation that we had with Pastor's uh, CEO there, man. And his brother has some visions, he has some goals, brother. And that's what it's all about, man, help change a life. I love that. I love that. I want to go ahead and, and play some of this Martin Luther King here, The Three Evils of Society. And we're going to pick it back off that there, brother Daniel, okay? Okay. You're listening to another great episode of Free on the Inside Ministry. Thanks for our show here with the MLK, Three Evils of Society. Vietnam, the poor black and white, the poor black and white are still perishing on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. What happens to a dream deferred, it leads to bewildering frustration and corroding bitterness. I came to see this in a personal experience here in Chicago last summer. And all the speaking that I have done in the United States before varied audiences, including some hostile whites, the only time that I have ever been booed was one night in our regular weekly mass meeting by some angry young men of our movement. I went home that night with an ugly feeling. Selfishly, I thought of my sufferings and sacrifices over the last 12 years. Why would they boo one so close to them? But as I lay awake thinking, I finally came to myself 
And I could not for the life of me have less than patience and understanding for those young men. For 12 years, I and others like me had held out radiant promises of progress. I had preached to them about my dream. I had lectured to them about the not-too-distant day when they would have freedom all here now. I had urged them to have faith in America and in white society. Their hopes had soared. They were now booing me because they felt that we were unable to deliver on our promises. They were booing because we had urged them to have faith in people who had too often proved to be unfaithful. They were now hostile because they were watching the dream that they had so readily accepted turn into a frustrating nightmare. This situation is all the more ominous in view of the rising expectations of men the world over. The deep rumblings that we hear today, the rumbling of discontent, the thunder of disinherited masses rising from dungeons of oppression to the bright hills of freedom. All over the world, like a fever, freedom is spreading in the widest liberation movement in history. The great masses of people are determined to end the exploitation of our races and lands. And in one majestic chorus, they are singing in the words of our freedom song, ain't gonna let nobody turn us around. So the collision course is set. The people cry for freedom, and the Congress attempts to legislate repression. Millions, yes, billions, are appropriated for mass murder. But the most meager pittance of foreign aid for international development is crushed in the surge of reaction. Unemployment rages at a major depression level in the black ghettos. But the bipartisan response is an anti-riot bill rather than a serious poverty program. The modest proposals for model cities rent supplement and rat control, pitiful as they were to begin with, get caught in the maze of congressional inaction. And I submit to you tonight that a Congress that proves to be more anti-Negro than anti-rat needs to be dismissed. Legislative assemblies 
have adopted Nero as their patron saint and are bent on fiddling while our cities burn. Even when the people persist and in the face of great obstacles develop indigenous leadership and self-help approaches to their problems and finally tread the forest of bureaucracy to obtain existing government funds. The corrupt political order seeks to crush even this beginning of hope. The case of CDGM in Mississippi is the most publicized example, but it is a story repeated many times across our nation. Our own experience here in Chicago is especially painfully present. After an enthusiastic approval by HEW's Department of Adult Education, SCLC began an adult literacy project to aid 1,000 young men and women who have been pushed out of overcrowded ghetto schools in obtaining basic basically literacy skills prerequisite to receiving jobs. We had an agreement with A&P stores for 750 jobs through SCLC's job program, Operation Breadbasket, and had recruited over 500 pupils the first week. At that point, Congressman Kuczynski and the Daily Machine intervened and demanded that Washington cut off our funds or channel them through the machine control poverty program in Chicago. Now we have no problem with administrative supervision, but we do have a desire to be independent of machine control and the Democratic Party patronage network. For this desire for a politically independent approach to the needs of our brothers. Our funds are being stopped as of September 15th, and a very meaningful program discontinued. Yes, the hour is dark. Evil comes forth in the guise of good. It is a time of double talk when men in high places have a high blood pressure of deceptive rhetoric and an anemia of concrete performance. We crowd against welfare handouts to the poor, but generously approve an oil depletion allowance to make the rich richer. Six Mississippi plantations receive more than a million dollars a year not to plant cotton, but no provision is made to feed the tenant farmer who is put out of work by the government subsidy. The crowning achievement in hypocrisy must go to those staunch Republicans and Democrats of the Midwest and West 
who were given land by our government when they came here as immigrants from Europe. They were given education through the land-grant colleges. They were provided with agricultural agents to keep them abreast of farming trends. They were granted low-interest loans to aid in the mechanization of their farms. And now that they have succeeded in becoming successful, they are paid not to farm. And these are the same people who now say to black people whose ancestors were brought to this country in chains and who were emancipated in 1863 without being given land to cultivate or bread to eat, that they must pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. What... What they truly advocate is socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. We're gonna go ahead and end right there with that uh with that uh audio clip down of MLK talking about the three evils of society. And you know what? He was making, hitting on some good points there during this here speech there. I don't have the date or the location of it, but it's a great speech nevertheless. But uh, he was, some of the points that he was hitting on was uh, was the war and unemployment and housing. Those things are still in effect today. You know, those things are still valid today. And how he was saying how the how city official and elected official were more interested in uh in, in the uh, what it says, the, the anti-Negro versus anti-rats in the housing community, and they talk about slums. You know, right now, the, you know, we don't see slums as much as we used to, but they still got that slum mentality. They still keeping women in the bondage and low-income people saying, "Hey, if you want to stay here, you got to follow the rule. One of the rules is that you can't have a man in there unless he, and you know, uh, and, you know, you can't bring a man in here to be over the family or nothing because we don't go mm-hmm. for that right there. If you go do all that, you got to pay yeah. a high rent." So it keeps the women in bondage. Yeah. The same thing about jobs. The women can't advance on jobs married. if they got mm-hmm. a, if they got a husband or something. They say, well, you already got some help. So they actually keep this. It's a, it's a, a, a economic and a society in, in bondage and slavery that right now. And we're mm-hmm. not fooled by these things. That's why there's so many single people today because they say, hey, if I get a, a mate or get someone to help out, I lose some benefits. I lose some position in society and status and the women's are afraid because the men as been stated earlier going in and out of jail so they they don't know if they can count on the brother or not they don't know if he's gonna be there next week next year uh or whatever it may be there because brother you've been in and out of out of my life so long i just don't trust you no more we as men we have to take our rightful position we have to earn our trust back with our lady let them know yes i've made some mistakes but I've been set free from those things there because there's a greater power that I'm responsible to. Yes, I've made some mistakes, and you may not ever forgive me, but God has forgiven me. And I, admit, I encourage you to put your trust in God. Brother, it's been a great show here. We're about ready to get on out of here. Brother Daniel, thank you for your comments. Pastor, thank you for your comments, and looking forward to you gentlemen uh, uh, at this time here, anytime on Saturday morning. Please call in. Uh, Pastor, would you like to have a closing remark before we get out of here? 
Yeah, I want to leave this for y'all, man. Um, This is what I read every day to start my day. And it goes like this. This is the day, my day. I will control of what I can and release of that what I can't. I'll be confident in my words and in myself. Resilience will trump rejection. Favor overcome frustration. For every yes, I've secured a victory. For every no, I've planted a seed. Every contact is a new opportunity, a new challenge, a moment of truth. I'm important. I make a difference. I'm blessed by those above. I'm blessed by the most high above. I'm inspired by those around me. Press forward. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Brother Daniel, what, what a great show we had there, man. I know you got some things you got to so Thank you very much. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start this prayer off. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we go into the this new decade, I need, we need you, as we never needed you before, to help instruct our youth. And I would say that the youth of today are going to be the adults of the future. What we put into them today is what's going to come out of them tomorrow, so... We ask you to fill them, Lord. Fill them with wisdom. That's one of the main things Solomon asked God to give him was wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. Help me to be able to make decisions that are making the world a prosperous and a great place to live in for the future. Because we know that through Jesus Christ, it's the only way out of this problem we got in this world today, in the country today, in our city of dollars. So as we go on today, I ask you to protect us, Lord. Protect us from God in the heavenly and holy name of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Hey, man, God bless you, that gentleman's down. That concludes our broadcast of Free on the Inside. We pray that you enjoyed this year. We got an archive section. Go back and check out the archive, not only this program, but all the shows in the past here, and see what God is saying to you. See what you could do to help change the life. Take this thing very serious. It's no mistake that you're here. You've been assigned to a divine purpose in life, and God knows what you're doing. He got his hands on you, and he'll never let you go. He saw the best in you. Until we meet again, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Looking forward to talking to you again uh, on Vlog Talk Radio, free on the inside.
church, I have a witness tonight. That may be somebody else's testimony. Help me say it, help me say it. He shows a sense in me. Everyone else around me. Thank you.